All right, everyone, if you could turn in your Bibles to both um, 1 Samuel, uh, probably go to chapter 19 to start, and then also somewhere in the midst of Psalms. I'm going through a little bit of uh, uh, the story of David and some life lessons from him. pastor was completely correct by calling this a Bible study. I fully plan to make sure it stays, you know, um, very low-key. Um, I guess, wait, I'm not with the teens anymore. I mean, like very relaxed, you know, uh, keep it keep it nice and comfortable, not going into too many things, but just opening up to some of the biggest things that the Lord has been teaching me recently, and I would just in turn like to share them with you. Um, just a few things from David's life. So like I said, we're going to be flipping back and forth a lot between uh, 1 Samuel and also Psalms, so if you can get your fingers ready to, to turn a lot, we're going to be looking at a lot of different things. Um, as I was talking about, uh, these are all just things that um, this summer, uh, when, when working here, um, in my spare time, I, t- I decided to use my time to study and just try to do some in-depth studies on a specific topic. So before I even came here, I was really praying and seeking about what that topic could be and what it is that God's trying to teach me through the summer. And I honestly believe that the, the number one thing that God was trying to teach me um, is is to focus on him through times of, of adversity, through times of trials. I think it's something that's very prevalent in the world that we live in today. There's a lot of uncertainties. Um, there's a lot of, of things that are kind of going south in some ways. I believe it's getting much more difficult to be a Christian each and every, single one, each and every day here. So I wanted to make sure to look in God's Word and see about times in the Bible where characters were in times of adversity and times of struggles and how they reacted to it. I started off in the book of Daniel. It's a wonderful story. Obviously, most of you know it, but Daniel being ripped away from his home and being sent to a completely foreign nation where there wasn't any type of Christian foundation to it. In fact, they spent the most, most of their time trying to indoctrinate him in order to, to make him forget about God. Um, and I would, I would think that you guys could agree with that as being an adverse and trying time in a Christian's life, being thrown into a nation that does not believe in God, does not want you to believe in God. And in multiple occasions in, da- in Daniel's life and also Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there were times where they had to make a stand on it. Do they follow God or do they do what their nation was wanting them to do? And because of their, their following God, they had to reap some type of a potential consequence. Now, we know God uh, helped him through that. But I started off with that. I went to Esther. Looked through the book of Esther for that same type of different thing, you know, really trying times for the Israelite people there and how they reacted to it. Uh, awesome, awesome story. I think it's amazing that God is never mentioned uh, by name one time in that book, yet you see his actions throughout it through the entire thing. And then my last little bit of time I spent looking at, at David. And this is where I'm focusing in on. I, I learned a few different things through different studies and different things that I've looked at. And I think that they are extremely prevalent for the world that we're going in, that we're in right now. And um, I'm not sure. Um, Richie asked me if it was going to be 15 minutes. I told him maybe. I don't know. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. I know a lot of you are going to boo at this. I'm going to try to go a little bit longer than what I what I'm usually do. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that is, that's, you know, I, I'd like to actually get through the things that I want, I think the Lord wants me to say, and I have quite a bit written down, so hopefully I can go through it in a, in a timely manner as well. And also... I know that this is the last day for the kids and stuff, and they have big plans over there, and I'd hate to see them have to stop their, their fun plans midway. So I'm going to try to try to do my best in this. 
Um, if you wouldn't mind opening up to start off in First Samuel 19. First Samuel 19 is where we're going to be at the beginning here. All right, I'm going to pray as you guys turn to look at that, and then we will get into this study. All right, I'm going to pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day, and thank you for allowing us to be able to be here and to be able to get into your word, Lord. Um, you have laid these things in my heart, Lord, so I pray that you will allow your Holy Spirit to speak through me and to be able to communicate them as you would want me to communicate them, Lord. This isn't my message. This is yours. So please take it and do with, with it as you will. Open the hearts of the people, and please guide me as I speak and guide me in the words I need to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we start off by looking in, in the life of David and I would like, to, I'm trying to kind of do it a little bit chronologically, although the, the points don't necessarily add up um, as it would make sense, but I think chronologically is a good way to kind of go through this and see different points in David's life. And the first point that I have today, okay, in talking about David and his life is David and his authority. Okay, this is something, uh, a lot of this that I'm speaking on today, I spoke on last week in the teen group, except I did it a lot more like I gave them little sheets of paper and had them read it themselves and fill out the sheets of paper, and then I would talk about the different types of things. So instead of having you guys split up into small groups, I'm just going to kind of do all the talking myself. Um, But this is one thing that I didn't put in there, but I felt the Lord was really leading me to speak on. So it's the first thing is David and his authority. Um, We start off in the life of David, you all know, um, from a shepherd boy to fighting Goliath, and then from fighting Goliath, he became the armor-bearer of Saul, who was the king. Um, as being the armor-bearer of Saul, he got to go on a lot of missions with him, a lot of uh, uh, military operations with him. And as he was with Saul, he started to become more and more famous. He started to become more and more prevalent. The people started to know him. They started to love him. Uh, He got good uh, in with the priests. The priests knew him. And David became more and more popular as he became Saul's armor-bearer. And we all know the story pretty well, Um, Saul started to become jealous. He became jealous pretty quick of David's growing popularity because the people, as they would come back from these missions and stuff, would sing or, or chant, you know, Saul has killed his thousands and David is tens of thousands. And for an egotistical man like Saul, that, that hurts the ego a little bit, knowing that your armor bearer is, is getting more popular than you. As well as this, as Saul had already messed up two big times, and because of that, he knew that he, he was not going to be king for, for forever. And he started to get that growing suspicion that David is going to be the one who's going to take over his throne. And he didn't like that either. Okay, So we see this time when Saul is starting to grow really jealous of David uh, and the things that, he, that he's doing. And we get to um, 1 Samuel chapter 19. So in 1 Samuel chapter 19, uh, whoop, in the wrong spot, there we go. Uh, read with me in verse number 9. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul, and he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand. And David played, his, played with his hand, and Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the, with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. One thing that I believe is one of the most important lessons we can learn from David is how he reacted to the authorities in his life. Okay, we oftentimes have problems with authorities. I, those who know me very well, um, I, I am, those who know me close would know that I tend to have some types of problems with authorities if I, if I disagree with them in some type of way. I'm, I am very much a person 
in my horrible sin nature who is a, you know, it's better to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. If I think something's smart, I'm probably just going to do it regardless of what people tell me. And I've had struggles in the past with dealing with authority and stuff. But one thing that I think is vital is how David reacted to this authority in his life. Okay? The king, who was not just the king, he was David's king, was not a good person by any means. He had failed twice, big time, in front of God. The first time, he didn't wait on the Lord's timing. The second time, he openly disobeyed God in front of all of his people. He was not a good king. He tried to kill him. But we see how David reacted in the first instance of him throwing a javelin at him. What does David do? We saw what he do. He fled. He just left. Okay? Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, that's kind of a common thing. If someone's trying to kill you, you get out of there. All right? But we need to think about this from, from the, al- the alternate things that David could have done. Okay? The song was David killed, or Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. Do you not think that David could have grabbed that javelin and thrown it right back at Saul? Okay? He definitely could have. David was a much better warrior in much better shape. And that would have given him very good cause as to why he could throw the javelin right back at him. Okay? He could have thrown the javelin back. Number two, with all of his influence and without all the people that loved him, he could have walked out of there and started to gather up his troops, the men who were loyal to him. He could have gone around to the priests who were loyal to him, Jonathan, uh, Saul's son. And he could have easily gotten an army together, gotten a coup together, and he could have taken over the nation without a problem. Okay? The people weren't big fans of Saul at the time, and he could have done that. Okay? He had a lot of options for things to do, but what did he do? He just left. Okay? And the way that I can, I'd say, apply this is how do we react when authorities in our lives throw javelins at us? And before I get any further, uh, this stuff, just so I know I'm you know, giving credit to where credit's due, this what came from a book called, um, these, these points came from a book called Tale of Three Kings that I read. Um, it's an awesome book. I highly recommend it if you get the chance to read it. But he had these options, okay? And we need to think about how do we act when authorities in our lives throw javelins at us, throw things at us that we don't like, how do we react to them, okay? Do we react as how we would want to react, which is to throw the javelin back at them, to get aggressive and go back at the person? First off, we think about, about lower levels of authority, like bosses and, and, and parents for those who are kids and stuff like that. A lot of times, people are in authority over our lives, but they're not perfect, okay? They're people, And sometimes the people who are in authority over our lives might be actually bad people. They might be against God. They might be against you. They might be treating you in wrong ways. But how you react to that speaks more about your Christian life than than the person that's doing the wrong things to you. Okay? And the reason I'm saying this today is because if we go a step further past um, just your local authority... And I think this is a big problem within Christians and within Americans is governmental authority. Okay? And I know I'm going there already. All right? Saul was a horrible person. A terrible person. He tried to kill David. Okay? We can all look at that and say, yes, he was a bad authority. David had every right to uh, retaliate against him, to rebel against him, and to do whatever he needed to. But if you see... What does David do? He leaves. And then in the future, even when he has an opportunity to be able to kill Saul, if you'll read in 1 Samuel chapter 22, if you want to turn there real quick, 1 Samuel chapter 22, 
just a few pages over. What do we see David do when he has an opportunity to be able to get rid of Saul completely? And I think this is wonderful. Um, Read with me in verse 4. It says, And the men of David said unto him, Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him, because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. Okay? What does he do? He cuts off the robe. Okay? We all know the story. He had the opportunity to be able to kill Saul because he was hiding in a cave and Saul decided to walk in there. Okay? And he, ha- he had the opportunity to do that. But what does he do? He cuts off the robe. And we all think that's no problem. That's a great thing. You know what I mean? He didn't kill him. He just cut off the robe. But it says here that his heart smote him for even having the thought of harming God's anointed, the person that God put in authority. Okay? How often do we have bad thoughts, bad intentions, bad attitudes towards those that God put in, our, in authority over us and over even this nation? Okay? As much as it pains me to say, President Joe Biden was put into office, into a place of authority by God. Vice President Harris was put into office, into a place of great authority by God. Governor Whitmer put into a place of authority by God. They might not be great people. They might not be good people. They might be evil people, okay? But they're in a place of authority, and they were put there by God, which means we need to like David did, have the right view of those people. We need to see them as God put them into that place for a reason. Okay, That means our attitudes towards those people need to be as David's attitude was towards Saul. Okay, We never see David's attitude towards Saul go anything besides the fact that he knew that Saul was his king and he was God's anointed. Okay, We need to have that same thought and that same mentality towards the government and the authority people figures in our lives. Okay? Because having those types of right attitudes, having those types of right thoughts, that is what is going to make people realize that Christians are something special and that we have the love of God in us. If we can even take that adversity of, of authorities in our lives and be able to do as David did and still have respect and still have adoration for those people, regardless of what great people they are. Okay. Afterwards, um, after Saul uh, threw the spear at him, we see David run away. And this is where the next point comes in. As we see David flee, we start to see David and his fight between faith and fear. And this is another thing that the Lord has been teaching me is, is the difference between faith and fear. Okay, we see David run away. All right? And the first thing that he does, and this is a big a reoccurring problem in David's life, is he, was a, he had a very good mind, but he used it in wrong ways at times. Okay? He was a schemer. Okay? So whenever he got into trouble, whenever he got into a situation, instead of just simply relying on God through all of it, oftentimes he would try to use his own trickery, his own good tactics to be able to get out of the situation by himself. We see that happen within the the story of Bathsheba. 
Um, what does he do? He tries to make this plan to make um, Uriah the Hittite come back and be able to get him all drunk and see if that would work. And he does, goes through plan after plan after plan of his own thoughts and intentions to try to cover up his sin. Well, we see David doing the exact same thing here. First off, he runs uh, straight to his house, and him and his wife come up with this plan to try to deceive Saul, who is coming to send soldiers to kill him. And he runs off and tries to hide. And then we see the next step in his journey of fear, and that is to go to the priest, which you would think would be a great idea, but he goes there with the wrong intentions. He goes to the priest, and he lies to the priest, and he says that he was sent there by Saul, and that he needs the showbread, which was bread used usually to um, sacrifice to God. He says, I need that. Please give it to me. I need it for reasons. The king sent me to do that. And the priest, obviously believing that there's nothing the matter, gives David the showbread, and he decides to take off. He takes off with the showbread, and as he's leaving, he sees Goliath's sword and goes, actually, I want that too. So he takes Goliath's sword, he takes the showbread, and he leaves. It was a lie. It was a, it was a terrible thing that David did, and it was showed his great fear. Instead of relying on God and trying to, to pray and see what God would want him to do, he decides to run off by himself. And this action actually causes the death of that priest as well as 82 other priests and their entire family. Okay, I'm not sure if many of you know that, but Saul ends up coming back afterwards and this guy named Doeg comes up and says, yeah, these priests knew what David's plan were and they were all in league with him. And Saul kills everyone. He kills all the priests. He kills all their family, all because David decided to lie instead of trying to rely on God. He gets all of these people killed. And then what does he do? He decides to run to the one place that he thinks that Saul would never try to find him, and that is the capital city of Gath of the Philistines. So the capital city of the Philistines is Gath, and he decides to go there. All right? That is a, a semi-smart thing. You know, the king of the Israelites would not go to their biggest enemy, to their capital, to go and look for you. That would be suicide. But what I don't think he quite realized in his, in his running away in fear is that it's suicide for him, too. The song was, Saul has killed his thousands, and David is tens of thousands. You don't think the Philistines know who you are, David? Okay, and not only that, but he decides to go there with Goliath's sword strapped around his back. Like, that's not a dead giveaway of who you are. And he goes there, and obviously, we, we know what happens. Immediately, the people are like, that's David. We should probably capture that guy. So they capture him, they throw him in prison, and they're about to execute him. David's fear has led him to making uh, poor decisions. He lied on multiple occasions. Because of his lies, he saw 82 people and their families killed. He decides to run away in fear to go to the capital city of Gath, where he gets captured, and then he's about to be executed. And in this, he also then decides to um, pretend to be mentally unstable. He decides to be crazy. Um, the story, I believe, is in 1 Samuel chapter 22, if you want to go there real quick. 1 Samuel chapter 22, we see the story there. Oh, the wrong spot. Um, chapter, well, let's go back to 21, and let's go to, to verse 10. Because that's the end of David running away from Saul. It says, and David arose and fled that day. For fear of Saul. And then if you go down to verse number 12, it says, And David laid up uh, these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands. 
and scrabbled at the door of the gate and let his spittle and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see the the man is mad. Therefore then have ye oh, sorry, wherefore then have ye brought him to me? I have I need for a madman? Have that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come unto my house? And verse and chapter twenty two, verse one. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of, of Abdullam. Okay? We see him act crazy, and he, decide, he actually gets away from it. All right? And this is where I like to see how David's perspective is. And a lot of these, um, these stories in David's life, he actually writes firsthand in the book of Psalms, and they correlate with what's happening in this. Okay, so I told you you had to go to Psalms, so if you could, go to Psalms chapter 142. Okay, real far in the back. Chapter 142. So we see David acting in fear, and we see problem after problem after problem because of the fear that he had. And now we see him leading up to this point where he, God, in his mercy, decides to spare him from the death um, from the Philistines that, honestly, David pretty much rightly deserved at that point. He had reacted in fear, and he had gotten himself into a bad situation, but the Lord had mercy unto him. And we see some of David's reactions. In, one, in chapter 142 of Psalms, Look at verse number four. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. And if you read the first little bit of verse six, attended unto my cry, for I brought, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Okay, we see David at kind of a low point. This is what he wrote after he fled and he went into that cave. He wrote about his experience. And we see him at a low point in his life. Okay? He said, I cried unto thee, O Lord, my refuge. His refuge failed him. He looked to his right hand as to his left, and no man knew him. We see David at a very low point. Okay? And one of the biggest things I think that we need to learn from this specific uh, story in David's life is the fact that living in fear of what the world may bring or living by your own devices leads to nothing but loneliness and sorrows, okay? Living in fear leads to nothing but loneliness and sorrows, okay? If you live your life in fear instead of living your life in faith of God, you will end up exactly as David ended up in this part, kind of feeling low. He felt like no one was with him. He felt that like he was down, okay? And living by fear will lead you to that, all right? I think this is prevalent in lives today because, like I said at the beginning, there's so much in this world that is going on that we don't know how it's going to end. There's a lot of things that we could easily be afraid of. All right? A lot of ways that this, this nation is turning, a lot of ways in other parts of the world that we have genuine reason that we could easily fear. Okay? Easily fear, especially for those like in the Middle East right now. Fear for them. What is happening over there? What is happening here? How this, how this world is turning. We have very legitimate reasons to be afraid. Okay, but what we need to do is just have faith and rely on God. Because if we decide to dwell in this fear, we will feel nothing but sorrow, nothing but sadness. Okay. One thing I found pretty interesting about this is seeing because in this chapter and then also in chapter sixty-nine of Psalm, we see David at really low points in his life. He talks a lot about how he is feeling low, how he is sad. 
And I found this to be very interesting because when we think of David, what do we think of? A man after God's own heart, okay? We think of a spiritual giant, probably the biggest in the Bible besides, you know, Jesus himself. But yet we see him and he's, at times in his life, he is feeling low. He is feeling sorrowful. He is feeling bad, okay? And one thing in my pastoral classes that I've taken and I'm still taking because I'm still in college, um, that they talk about often, and one of them kind of stuck out to me, is one of the, they said that one of the biggest problems facing pastors and people in the missionary is depression, okay? And I find that to be very strange because pastors are supposed to be the number one people who are, are the spiritual leaders. They're supposed to f- lead people in the way they should go. They should be the happy ones. They should be the go-lucky ones. They should be the ones that everyone turns to when they're having problems, okay? But they said that one of the biggest problems, I think it was number two in their little list that they had, was depression, Okay? Feelings of loneliness, feelings of, of sorrow. And I found that to be very interesting because even people who are spiritual, who are supposed to be spiritual giants, who are supposed to be the most spiritual ones, like David, have times in their lives where they let fear or they let circumstances control them and they allow for themselves to start to feel depressed or start to feel lonely, start to feel alone in the ministry. They start to take their focus off God and start to rely on themselves. Okay? And we see David doing that exact same thing here. But one thing that I think is important to note is it's not all bad, okay? In verse 5 of this chapter, it says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and, the portion, and my portion in the land of the living, okay? In, mingled in within this chapter, within the times of he is talking about how he is low or how he is distraught, we see times where he is also praising God. And I think that is vital to what makes David a man after God's own heart is his attitude, even in times of adversity. Even in times when he feels lowest, he still talks about God. His hope is in God. His focus is on God. And I think that is super important for us to do the exact same thing as Christians. Okay? We need to, in times when we're feeling down, in times when we're feeling sad, because there will be some. There will be times where uh, we feel alone. There will be times when we just feel sad. It is important to always be having our focus on God. Okay? I think it's almost like... A, almost like a fake it till you make it type thing, might even be the best option. You know what I mean? In times when you're feeling the lowest, that is the time that you should definitely be praising God the most. Even if it's not fully genuine or fully your, your heart isn't fully happy, I think constantly reminding yourself of good things that God has done in your life and constantly reminding yourself of the good things that God is doing in that specific circumstance will end up with you changing your attitude and changing your outlook on that specific situation. So in times of, de- of depression or sadness, focus on God. Praise him like, like David did, even in this time of his sadness. Focus on him and turn that, faith, that fear into faith. All right, point number three. So we've had David and his authority, David and his faith versus his fear. And then number three is David and his enemies. Okay? If there's one person in the Bible who we talk about having multiple trials and all of those being from different people, it would be definitely David, okay? He had a lot of problems with people throughout his life. He had problems with Saul. He had problems with Doeg, who is the, um, who is the guy who lied about the priests and ended up killing, up killing the 82 priests and stuff like that. Um, different people in his life, even his own son in the future, Absalom, okay? We see David having a lot of problems with people. And As we turn and see the world around us today, we as Christians are becoming less and less popular people. 
Okay, we are getting more and more adversaries, more and more people who are trying to, to seek us out, to harm us or destroy us, both verbally and sometimes even physically. Okay? We as Christians, like David, have a lot of enemies out there. Okay? But I think it's important to see how David reacts to the enemies in his life, how he reacts even to Saul. Um, there's a specific situation in David's life that I found to be absolutely amazing. Okay, and it is a story that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 23. If you guys want to turn there real quick, I'm going to go there myself. 1 Samuel chapter 23. So David is still hiding from Saul at this, time, at this point. He's hiding from Saul, and they get word that one of their cities of Keilah is under attack. The Philistines are attacking it. Um, if you'll read in the first part of chapter 23, then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. So David takes up his men. They're in hiding. Okay? They know if they go somewhere out in public, Saul's going to hear about it, and he's going to hear about it pretty quick. This is dangerous. Not only is it dangerous because they're leaving hiding and they're going to go to somewhere that Saul could find them and potentially kill them, but it's dangerous because they're going to go and fight the Philistines. Not, David doesn't have a grand army. He's got about 600 men at this point. And he decides to go and fight the Philistines in Keilah and protect that city. So he goes because the Lord tells him to go. And they go out of hiding. They risk their lives from Saul. And they risk their lives from the Philistines in order to save this city. They save the city... Um, and they drive the Philistines out, okay? It's a great thing. And then, if you'll read in verse 11 of chapter 23, um, David continues on, and Saul is, is approaching at this point. Saul heard that they were out, and Saul got, gathered up his army, and they're heading towards uh, Keilah right now to get David. And David says, uh, he's talking to God at this point. He says, Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down, speaking of Saul. And then David says, And then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me unto, and my men unto the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about six hundred, arose and departed out of Keilah, and went whithersoever they could go. Okay, absolutely, absolutely amazing to me. So David risks his life to go and save these people of Keilah. Him and his men come here out of their, their hiding to risk their lives for these people. They, they defeat the Philistines, they save this city, and then they hear about Saul coming, and David asks, okay, is Saul coming? God says yes. And he goes, will the people of Keilah give me up to Saul? Yes. What? I just got out of hiding. I brought all my men here. I saved your city, and they're just going to turn around and give him up to Saul once Saul gets here. How ridiculous is that? For a man who's been running this entire time, having problems finding people who are going to help him in this situation, you would think that the people you just risked your lives for and the lives of your men, the lives of the people closest to you, you'd think that they would have some, some loyalty to the dude who just came and saved their lives. But no. Okay? They decide that they're going to give him up. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if I was David and I was in the city with 600 men, I would be like, okay, well, if that's how they want to play it, um, gather up all their stuff, we're taking it back to our hideout and maybe kill a few people. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, that's why I'm not David. But anyway, um, you know, he's got every advantage. Like, like the Saul situation, he could do so many different things, okay? These people are going to betray him, and he just risked their lives for them. But yet, how does David react to him, okay? If you could, turn again. Um, Psalms 54. Psalms 54 is where we're going to be. How does David react to these people about to betray him? I'll read the whole thing because it's only seven verses. Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. Verse 3. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with me that uphold my, that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eye hath seen his desire upon mine enemies. Verse number five, how does he react? He could, he could wipe out these people. He could take all their resources. He can go back into hiding. He can do anything he wants. These people are completely willing to betray him. And what does he do? His people get up and they leave. And he says in verse five, he shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Okay? you also see in chapter 52, he talks a little bit about Doeg, the guy, who, the guy who lied and the guy who killed all those people. Okay? And we see the exact same thing. David pretty much says, God's going to do with them what God wants to do with them. They're doing all these bad things. They're doing all this wrong. I have the opportunity to be able to do something about it right now. But he just turns around and he leaves and says, God's going to reward them how God will reward them. He's going to reward them for the evil things that they've done. And he leaves. Okay? How many times in our lives do we have people who wrong us? Do we have people who, who say bad things about us, talk behind our backs, maybe do something to us or do something uh, against us? And what do we want to do immediately? We want to get back at them. You know what I mean? A really popular thing right now is clapping back. If someone says something bad about you, you clap back. And what you do is you insult them right back. And it's like, ooh, he got him back, you know? And it's really popular because that's what, what great thing is, is insulting people. Um, but how does David react to when someone does wrong to him? He reacts how we're all supposed to react. And that is to leave it to God, okay? Because honestly, God is going to be able to do much better than anything we could do. I remember one time in my life when I was working at, at Walmart in Wisconsin um, my supervisor, I was working, I was a cashier, and my supervisor up there was a flaming atheist, okay? Uh, the guy heard that I was trained to become a pastor, and he took spe- special interest in me, always. As anytime he walked past me, he would make some type of comment about, hey, look, how, how is daddy in the sky treating you today? Or, you know, or how much, how much prayer have you done today? Because, you know, like, you're going a little bit slow. I think you need a little help from, from the sky god there. Or especially he would love to say that, oh, how's your cult doing? 
You know, you know, he would say stuff about me being in the cult all the time. And I would, I would spend my time and I would explain things to him. He would say, like, he would call me stupid for not believing in evolution. And I would explain some things to him. He would say something about how church was horrible and I would explain some church to him. And that whole time, it was hard. You know, it was hard not to just get mad at him, uh, yell at him, do anything like that. But I knew that God needed that influence in his life. And God needed someone to just be able to talk with him. And I thought this might actually be a good thing because this might be the first time this guy's ever actually interacted with a Christian or been able to talk, you know, about some things about Christianity with him that he understands them and they're not just ridiculous. Well, one time I got called into the store, like the, the head boss, the store manager's office, and I was terrified. I was like, oh, great, I'm, I'm fired or something. I didn't do anything wrong, but, you know, when, when anything like that happens, you tend to just think and think and think. It's like, uh, it's like whenever you see a cop go by, you're not doing anything wrong, but you're like, I must have done something wrong. He's going to come get me. Um, but I was asked into the store manager's office, and I go in there, and I sit down, and I'm terrified. And uh, my store manager comes in, and then the, the person who's in charge of, like, the whole front end comes in. And they sit down, and they say, hey, so... We've heard um, that you have been like having some talks with the manager guy, uh, the atheist person. And I was like, well, yes, a little bit. And they said, someone filed a complaint against him, and we just want to let you know, you say the word and we'll fire him right now for, I think it was like religious discrimination against you. And that kind of took me by shock, you know, like, is this the moment that God gave me so I could be like, yes, he's out of here, you know, like thanks, God, and then walk out of there. You know, maybe I'll steal his job or something. No. Um, but I was able to sit down and tell them that, no, I didn't, I didn't want him fired. And they were like, what are you talking about? I said, I don't want him fired. And they said, <laughs> my, my store manager said, you know, I actually like, heard some of the conversations from like, the cameras and stuff. Like, you can, we can fire him, you know? And I said, no. And they said, like, why? And I said, well, this, I, it's an opportunity for me to be able to talk about God with him. And they were, they were shocked. They were shocked. They said, so you're taking this, this, this guy who is you know, blaspheming you and your religion, and you're, you're thinking it's a, a teaching opportunity? And I said, yeah. And they were like, wow. And as much as it would have pleased me to be able to get that guy fired, you know, it's awesome to be able to see that by doing it the way that God wanted me to, by doing it the way that David did and letting God handle it, not only was I able to be a good influence on the, the supervisor, but I believe I was able, able, being able to be a good influence for Christianity upon my store manager and the upfront manager. So when situations come, and I've been talking to some people, and some people, especially I, I talked about this in teen group, this specifically last week, and I had some people telling me about specific stories in their lives um, and specific things that are going on in their lives currently. If you follow God's way and you let God handle it and you just decide to be what you, have, what you should be, which is a good Christian, showing love in everything, it will be so much better for you. It will be so much better for the cause of Christ than if you were to take things into your own hands and be able to dish out the punishment that you believe is necessary. Because God's punishment will always be better. It'll always be more... Um, not better as in like, you know, uh, that guy didn't get, a, get fired, he got in a car accident or something like that. But I'm saying like, it's going to be better for what needs to happen. Okay? So be like David in this situation. 
Anytime you have uh, adversaries, and David had a lot, be like David did and give it up to God. Let him deal with it. Turn the other cheek. Okay? It's hard, but it's what's necessary. And then the last thing I have on here after David and his enemies is David and his praises. And those of you who are in Mr. Bryson's class, I'm sorry, but this is kind of a quick recap because um, I talked about that in the Sunday school. Okay, David and his praises. 2 Samuel chapter 22, if you guys could turn there real quick. 2 Samuel chapter 22, this is a different one. So finally, after all this time of David running away from, from Saul, he runs away from Saul, he runs away from Saul, he has opportunities to kill Saul, he doesn't. He respects him as his authority, he respects his enemies as God wants you to, and he lets God deal with him. Um, he gets out of his fear and gets into faith, and we finally see the end of it all. Saul um, dies on a battlefield, and David is free from having to run. In verse number one, it says, this is after uh, Saul has been, has been killed. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song, that in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death compassed me, the floods of the ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of, of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I call upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter his ears. I think it is so important for us as Christians to be able to see the good in any different type of situation in our lives. Okay? David, we get to finally see the end result of David's of David's um, patience and David's trust in the Lord, and it is freedom from this, and David is just spewing praises to God. He's just praising him for his protection. He's praising him for all the different things that has happened, and he's praising him consistently. You see the same account in uh, Saul, uh, Psalms chapter 18. We see him write it firsthand about the, the stuff that he's talking about. But I think it is also important, if you would, turn to Psalms 34. Psalms 34. And I think this is one of the greatest verses in all the Bible. I'll be honest. Psalms 34 and verse 1 simply says this. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Okay? I challenged the, the Sunday school um, last, or this Sunday morning. Is, is God's praise continually in your mouth? Okay? I mentioned it earlier, but I truly believe that this is why David was a man after God's own heart. It's because he could go through all these adversities. He could go through all these problems. He could have all these situations arise, all these enemies, all these trials. And he focused on God, and he praised him through it all. Through all the problems, through all the trials, he praised God. And he says he praised God continually. 
How often do we praise God continually? I know specifically when certain topics are brought up in my house, praises are not what's coming out of our mouths. Okay? We are people like the Israelites who love to complain. We love to find problems. We love to talk to other people about the bad things that are happening. We love to talk to people about the bad situations in our lives. We love to discuss bad things that other people have done. Okay? We love to be negative, we love to complain, and we love to focus on the wrong things. Okay? But we need to be like David and praise God continually. Always have praises in our mouth. I challenge the Sunday school uh, just for one day, Sunday. No matter what happened, would they praise God continually? Not talk negative about anything. Not talk uh, and complain about anything. Even when certain topics were brought up to just try to focus on the good in everything. Praises through the pandemic is what I said. Okay? Is it possible? <laughs> and I think it is important for us to be able to do the exact same thing. Not just the pandemic, but all of our problems. Find the praises. Find what's good. Praise God through it all. Keep our attitude and our focus on God. Okay? So, in the future, when we have problems with authority... And we will. You'll have bosses who are bad. You'll have people who are above you that don't do right. Will you keep your focus on God? And will you praise him through it? Will you find the good in those situations and praise God for those things? In the future, when we're struggled with fear, or we believe that we're all alone, will we, will we praise God? Will we keep him as our focus? When our enemies come about us, and there will be times where enemies will come about us, Will we praise God? Will we focus on God through it all? Okay. I challenge you guys, please, will you be like David? Will you focus on God and will you praise him through everything? Because we know that God is faithful to those who look to him. And like David, we will have these times when everything is behind us and we are able to just praise him continuously and talk about all the wonderful things that he did through that trial. Okay, We know that God will, will keep, keep us and keep... Uh, protect us through these things. Okay, So will you be like David today and keep your mind and your hearts focused on God? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day and thank you for the life of David, Lord. Uh, There's so many wonderful things that could be mentioned, so many uh, lessons to be learned, Lord. Um, I've only scratched on a few of them, Lord, but there are so many things. A man after your own heart. So we pray that we will learn from this. I pray that these people will continue to search your word for the truth will continue to look into the life of David and see more and more life lessons. I thank you for your word and allowing us to be able to find these things from it and being the encouragement that it is, Lord. I pray you'll just help us to be like David throughout this week and throughout our lives and just to be able to focus on you and praise you continuously throughout all the situations. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. Good encouragement this evening from the life of David. Some great truths that you and I can take and live out. I encourage you to do so. Thank you very much. Good Bible study from the life of David. And I will say, you made the children happy. Richie, not so much. But uh, anyway, 
Who knows? But good job, good message, and good encouragement. All right, prayer requests. Brother Cliff, you'll bring those forward. Let me remind you of a couple. Obviously, the Myers family, as we mentioned, uh, Brother John's brother, Leroy, and his family, specifically Leroy, still in the hospital, too. So pray for them. I ask you also to be praying for the Christians in Afghanistan. And I've had, had a lot of reports come through in different ways about uh, the Taliban and others already uh, focusing in on them, doing hit lists of Christians and searching for Bibles, doing all kinds of things. And so we want to really remember them, all people over there, obviously, too, but especially the Christians. Let's remember them, Christians in Afghanistan. I ask you to pray for evangelist Rick Flanders, too. He fell earlier and broke five ribs. He is at home recovering, but uh, uh, painful right now. And so just pray for him. We are grateful it was nothing more serious, things like that. But he fell at home and broke those ribs, took him to the hospital, but he's back home now. So I encourage you to pray for evangelist Rick Flanders, for his healing, that all would go well there. Then I'd ask uh, you to pray about these specific. There's some things inside the, the prayer bulletin, too. I'd encourage you to do that, uh, to pray about those. And uh, several important things coming up for different folks there, whether it be surgeries or things like that and so forth. So I encourage you to look in there. But pray for these. Shelly Mater, friend of the Boyd family, Melissa Boyd mentions this, in intensive care in Lapeer, has a head injury and uh, seizures, uh, induced coma, and on a ventilator. Shelly Mater. And Shelly Mater, friend in intensive care in Lapeer, head injury, seizures, induced coma, and on a ventilator. So please pray for Shelly Mater, friend of Melissa Boyd and the family there. Shelly Mater. Ask you to pray for Jansen Smallwood. Jansen Smallwood, this is a friend of Nancy Hildinger and has cancer. A new tumor has returned or a new tumor has shown up. So unsure of salvation too. So I want to pray for spiritual needs there. Jansen Smallwood. Jansen Smallwood facing cancer, a new tumor has shown up, and so uh, just pray for that, but pray most importantly that through this situation, uh, come to know the Lord, and the Lord would work there, and if he does know the Lord, that certainly that strengthen him in that. Ask you to pray for Jim Jansu, or Jim Jans, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that exactly, last name is spelled J-A-N-S-E-U, so Jim Jansu, co-worker of Jeremy Cooper, and we did have him on the prayer list, okay, tumor is cancerous, that was the gentleman who had it in the brain, if you remember. Glioblastoma, uh, he's given a 10% chance to make it six months. And so I want to pray for the family especially. Maybe that's Jim Jansen. That's uh, I believe we have in the prayer bulletin then. So this is a co-worker we've been praying for for Jeremy. He had to get into that surgery right away, if you remember. And uh, has a family too. And so I want to pray for that. And uh, obviously not the news they were looking for, that tumor being cancerous. And uh, would you pray for the family there? And uh, I think that's Jim Jansen there. Anyway, not much time given to live. 10% chance to make it six months. So obviously devastating news for that family. And uh, desperate need of prayers and comfort and the Lord to show himself strong on their behalf and so just encourage you to pray for these prayer requests there's others in there pray for brother Jordan as he goes down to college we have others too the next couple of weeks some who are already at college already started and so pray for them and acclimation to college and getting used to everything and Lord would comfort them maybe their little home second thing so just pray the Lord would be a special comfort to them would you and I encourage our college students we're proud of them for following the Lord and uh, pursuing his will for their lives and so encourage you to bless, uh, pray for them accordingly. Glad you're here tonight. Look forward to seeing you back on Sunday. Let's go to the prayer. We'll split up in groups of one, two, and three and pray together. God bless you.